Guys, welcome back to Ramblin' Radio. Very excited. Episode number 45. This episode could not have come at a better time. But before we get into it, huge shout out to my five-star reviews. I got to give a little shout out to my man, Jake. He said, super insightful. Listening to Zach on this podcast is a super great way to gain knowledge as a creator. He talks in a conversational way that makes you feel like you're in the room with him while he talks with you about a variety of creator-related things. Really, really enjoyable. Thank you, Jake. G1313131. <laughs> These usernames always get to me. If you're new here, I'm always shouting out our five-star reviews because you're making the podcast grow. And so I have to, I, I just have to say thank you. Also, we are doing two giveaways, if you didn't know this. So the first giveaway, I give away something called the Productivity Journal. And this is a system that I've created for myself through many, many months, many years of trial and error and figuring out exactly how to get the most things done efficiently and as quickly as possible. If that sounds interesting to you, I decided to give them absolutely for free. All you have to do is leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and screenshot your five-star review before you click submit because for whatever reason, iTunes, when you click submit, the five-star review disappears and then it reappears a couple of days later for whatever reason. So make sure you screenshot the five-star review and then you're going to send that screenshot to hello at ZachKravitz.com, H-E-L-L-O, hello at ZachKravitz.com, dot. Now, if you don't have Apple Podcasts, that's totally cool. Just send your review to hello at zachkravitz.com and just type it out. You don't have to leave it on Apple Podcasts because you don't have it. That's totally cool. Now, that's that's the first giveaway. The second giveaway we're doing for our five-star reviews is we're giving away a pair of Apple AirPods Pro. So we're picking one winner, whoever leaves a five-star review this year. We are giving a, a, a free pair of Apple AirPods Pro to one lucky winner. So leave a five-star review. You got nothing to lose. Helps podcasts grow, and you get the productivity journal, and you get a chance to win a pair of AirPods Pro. Sounds like a good deal to me. I don't know. Um, anyways, we have an amazing episode. We've got a powerhouse of a creative director in this episode, Chelsea Clevisol. Very, very excited. This could not have come at a better time, too. Because we talked about a lot of things that are going to help you in these uncertain times right now. Chelsea Clevisol is a creative director and marketing strategist, and she works with massive brands like Citibank, United Airlines, just all kinds of big, big brands. She's very, very talented. We talk about what are what are the new opportunities out there. We talk about pitching. We talk about what she looks for in a creative because she's hiring creatives all the time for her projects, all the time. And, and we also talked about how to, how to leverage your previous and current clients, how to help them, how to solve their problems, how to be more than just an artist. These are things that we're talking about all the time on this podcast, and she just confirms it even more with, with these really, really amazing ideas. And then we kind of finished it up with what, what does it take to actually start a brand? What are the first initial steps? And honestly, we talked a lot more about other things, outsourcing, hiring an editor, just so many things. I think I just need to stop talking and let the episode play out. Chelsea Clevisol, check her out on Instagram, connect with her. Very, very talented and very excited about this episode. Give it a listen. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. DM me on Instagram, DM her on Instagram, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. 
two, one, boom, we're live. What's up, Chelsea? How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you doing, Zach? Good, good. Thank you for being here. We got we got Chelsea in the house, creative director, marketing strategist. What other what other titles do you have? <laughs> uh, anything <laughs> that I bestow on myself? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what do they say? Uh, jack of all trades, master of most. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I've been a designer, art director, photographer, video editor. I've basically done all. You've of the done things. it all. Is that what makes you such a good creative director? Because you have kind of experience in all those different things. Is that what makes a good creative director? It's part of what makes me a good creative director, I think. And it what's uh, really sets me apart. It's difficult to look at a portfolio of someone who has a proprietary skill that you don't know what goes into perfecting that skill or really what makes them good at that skill. So mm-hmm. because I have experience doing all of those things, I can really kind of take x-ray vision when looking at people's work. Yeah. What's your favorite thing between being a creative director and a marketing strategist? Or is that just kind of two things combined into one or are those totally separate things? It's, it was an evolution. So I, over the last uh, almost 20 years that I've been doing this, I realized that good creative comes from good branding, which comes from good strategy. So mm-hmm. in order to help my clients execute really good creative and have really good marketing output, they need good strategy. So I took it upon myself to kind of learn the ropes of marketing strategy so that I can help them from the very beginning and make sure that we've got an end-to-end process. Gotcha. That's dope. What's, what's your favorite? What's your favorite out of, out of everything that you do? What is your favorite part of that process? Oh, my favorite part is getting into post and video. Color correction, editing, finessing music, picking yeah. takes, like just everything having to do with video is my absolute favorite. Really? That's so interesting. So storytelling, essentially, and putting, putting those pieces together. Yeah, there are so many little nuances to editing video and putting a video together that you can use to tell the story in a different way or you know, mm-hmm. give the audience a different feeling as you're carrying them along on that journey. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So for, for people that are listening right now, I want to I wanna just take it a step back and, and let them get to know who you are in case they don't. Um, and I mean, just looking at your website, your, your track record, your portfolio, looking at some of the clients that you've worked with Citibank, United airlines, like all these just like massive brands. How did you get to the place that you are in right now? Could you give just like, you've probably done this a million times, but I just want to give them a little spiel kind of an accident, actually. Um, I started out as a surgical technician and I was working in a cosmetic surgery clinic. And Mm. this was in like 2000, back when computers were still relatively a new thing. And the person who did the marketing for the clinic went on maternity leave and the office manager was like, hey, uh, you're pretty young. Do you know how to use a computer? Can you make our advertising? (laughs) I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Right. <laughs> and after like six months, I realized that I liked doing the marketing for the clinic better than I liked being in the OR. So mm-hmm. I went to Miami Ad School, studied advertising, and moved to New York, got a job at a big advertising firm, you know, hated New York, hated the city, it smelled like trash all the time, moved back and worked with the advertising agencies in Minneapolis for um, about 15 years, and then went on my own about four years ago. How is, how is that transition working from 
that agency and then going on your own. Can you like talk about some of the difficulties you had, maybe some of the pressure that you had and and how did you overcome a transition like that? Yeah, it was, um, it was a spontaneous decision. So I wasn't super prepared at all, really. (laughs) But because I had been working in town in the industry for so many years, I knew most of the people. So Mm. for the first year and a half, I mostly just worked with advertising agencies. So as a freelance creative, just coming in and helping them serve their clients. Uh, We already had those working relationships with a lot of the clients that they had, with a lot of the people that I was working with. So it was a really easy way to still do the same thing, but as an independent. Mm -hmm. And then as I continued to do that, some of my older clients from the agency had called not knowing that I wasn't with agencies anymore. So I started working with them directly just out of an evolution of that relationship. And that work got noticed and by word of mouth and referrals, I'm now completely um, working with my own clients. I really only work with agencies uh, very rarely when they need me, but yeah, so it, it was kind of an easy evolution, but the challenge, most of the challenges really were just personal development. Like yeah. Having the confidence to actually call people and tell them what I do or be able to sit across the table from someone that's running their own business and feel confident knowing that I can do what they need without yeah. the backing of an agency. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things. And I know, I know you're introverted. We, we talked about this before. I'm introverted as well. And so it took me a while to get good at communicating what I'm good at. And, and how I can solve problems. Was that kind of a difficulty for you to kind of start gaining that confidence and saying like, I can actually have a really good skill set that you need and, and communicating that confidently. Was that something that you kind of struggle with? That was probably the easier part of my personality. Really? Uh, I've never been shy to admit that I'm good at something oh, um, or when I excel at something that I'm capable of something. It mm-hmm. was, um, really just knowing that I didn't have the backing to fall on like anybody else on my team. So I slowly had to build my own team uh, behind me in order to fulfill that level of confidence. But personally, no, I know what I'm good at. I know that's good. That's good. (laughs) No, I love that. I'm sure working at your ad agency, I'm sure that helped a ton, right? Yeah. That's pretty cutthroat, right? Yeah. Cause (laughs) I, I, I don't know if you know this. I, I was an advertising major in college and we visited, I, I graduated, I think I'm 27 right now. So I graduated five and a half years ago, something like that. It feels like a, you know, a century ago, but um, we visited an ad agency. I went to school at Marquette in Milwaukee and we visited an ad agency. And the first thing they said to us was, don't don't work for an ad agency or something like that. They were like, be warned, run, run away. Yeah. yeah. And we were, absolutely. I, I just remember looking at my <laughs> classmates like, what? <laughs> like, why are yeah. we here? Was that something you experienced? Can you talk about like, like, oh, why yeah. is that Anybody so cutthroat? In advertising, no one will let their kids get into advertising. It's long hours. Uh, you're, underappreciated for the most part, you're, it's tough, you know, especially as a creative, when you have to come up with good ideas that solve a problem and are unique and that you can actually sell and execute on them. It's, it's very difficult, really difficult, especially when you have a, a, you know, timelines are shorter than ever. You don't have a Mm -hmm. lot of time to come up with a really great idea. And sometimes creativity doesn't just 
I mean, you can't turn it on and off. Right. <laughs> so That's you true. really need to figure out what works for you in order to get that creativity to work on the spot, on the right problem, at the right time. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I want I want to get into how you kind of come up with your creative ideas, but before we do, correct me if I'm wrong, is Again, when I was studying advertising in school, they said that the positive of an ad agency in that environment is it's all skill-based. So if you are really effing good, it doesn't matter how long you've worked there, you're going to get moved up ASAP. Was that, is that true or, or not so much? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a positive. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a positive and a negative in that there is still a lot to be learned experientially in the process of being a good creative director and building those relationships and managing those relationships. So sometimes those of us who are really good at the work aren't as good at the the business side of it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I understand that. Um, okay. So then getting back into how, how do you get your creative juices I, I get the question asked all the time, like if I'm in a creative slump, you have to, you have to just sometimes, especially in an ad agency, you have to just spit out these ideas. Just like you said, do you have a process for that? Especially now that you're independent, you have your own business. Is there, do you have some sort of process when you, when you aren't feeling creative and you have to come up with some sort of idea? Yeah, you really have to, I think, train your brain to be creative in every instance so that you can turn it on when you need to. Looking at everything with kind of one eye closed and at at the side, just kind of see like what's different about this situation or what's different about the way they said that. How can I twist that language? How can I maximize the visual of what I'm seeing here? And just practice that in every moment allows you to see things differently easier when you need to. Mm. So I'm constantly making jokes about things. I'm constantly kind of rearranging things to make sure that they look good and really identifying what makes this scene look good or what makes this image look good or what makes this house look good or what is wrong about it or what is a better way to communicate that same sentence. And Mm. I just do that constantly in my daily life so that when I need to, I can apply those skills to the problem that my client needs me to solve very quickly Mm. and still come up with something really unique. Yeah. Interesting. How do you know that you have a really good idea? Is there like a light bulb that hits for you or, you know, is it, I don't know. I don't know if that's even a a good question. You know what I mean, right? I know what you mean. (laughs) And it, it, there's two ways to look at it. One, I know it's a good idea if the person that I'm telling it to looks at me for a second and has to actually think about it. Be like, wait, what the hell did you just say? Like, I never thought of it that way or like they're confused. But on the other hand, sometimes you don't know it's a good idea until you've been working with it for months, especially if you're doing like a big advertising campaign when you have to come up with all these ideas and then the team kind of collectively hammers the ideas down into what ultimately becomes the output. And a good creative director has to let the ideas that they think are stupid grow until they've kind of reached their full expression. And then they can either, you know, up or out, they can either go on Mm -hmm. to become something or they get cut. So sometimes you just have to know what something can become and give it that time, even if you think it's a stupid idea at first. (laughs) Right, right. Is there? Yeah, for sure. Is there a lot of risk when coming up with certain ideas? Like, do you feel that pressure like this? This might just fucking tank right now. 
how, how do you deal with that? Or do you just go all in and say, screw it, we got to try it? Yeah, you just have to go all in. Yeah, You have to let go of the boat or the shore or whatever your metaphor is. And you just have to be comfortable swimming out there, seeing what comes along and how things get traction. And if it jives, and then you have to take that response and you have to learn from it and apply it. Yeah. So that's really the most important part. Yeah. Is there, is there a stopping point for you where you're like, oh shit, this is really a bad idea. We got to stop. How, what is that? What does that process look like? <laughs> like, how do you know it's tanking? When you look across the table and nobody does anything <laughs> and then you quickly grab something out of your back pocket, you're like, or <laughs> right, right. You have talking horses. I don't know. <laughs> right. Kind of like when you insult someone, you're like, uh-oh redirect. Yeah. 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 Okay. You got you just have to be really good at reading the room and it's really important to get that communication with your client and with your team unlocked so that you can read their micro expressions and you can start to pick up on their thought process when they're giving you feedback. Mm. That's awesome. So what I really want to dive into since we're all stuck at home right now and um you know we talked a little bit about this on the phone earlier there's a lot of businesses that are switching online. There's a lot of businesses that are just, you know, shutting their doors. I mean, a lot is changing right now. And a lot of creatives are, are you know, in this kind of panic mode. They're not exactly sure what to do. So I would love to talk about some of the new opportunities that that you're seeing um, and, and kind of how you're pivoting your own business if you have to at all what what kind of let's let's start with new opportunities so if a filmmaker photographer or designer any kind of creative is uh kind of panicking right now what what are you seeing that is opening up yeah i think one of the coolest opportunities that everybody has right now is the opportunity to show your clients how well you understand their business mm. and taking a look at your services or your skill set and looking at their business and everything you know about it and how creative can you be to apply your skills to their business mm. just being able to call them and acknowledge that whether or not money exchanges hands yeah. that will really help build trust with that client so that when they do have money they'll be quicker to call you so that's a huge thing that typically it's it's pretty hard to have space and time to think that critically and analytically about our relationships with our clients and their business. But now that we have that openness, that's a huge opportunity, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's not even executional. That's really just you connecting with another human about what you can do to help them and help solve their problems and help understand their business and what they need. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I've been recommending people to just hit up your current or previous clients, let them know that you care about mm -hmm. what's going on in the world that you want to, you know, help support, even if they're, like you said, isn't any kind of money or financial exchange, just telling them that, Hey, like we want to help you or, Hey, we're here. Um, you know, offering just support in any kind of way just goes so far, especially when maybe, Maybe a couple of brands that you've typically worked with don't have the marketing dollars right now or, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, but they will later in this year. I mean, there's going to mm -hmm. be even more opportunity 
later. Yeah. Pitch them ideas. It's in a phenomenal time to just pitch ideas yeah. because they want to hear anything that could potentially solve their anxiety right now mm-hmm. or in the future. So yeah. You're going to have their attention. Right. So what, what specifically, what kind of industries are you, are you having to pivot in your own business right now? Or are you just, you're still moving in the same direction? Um, I am pivoting to support my clients through this. So a lot of my clients are just having to up and pivot and change their strategy and they're throwing their hands in the air and, you know, having to talk some people off the ledge, you know, now is not the time to completely cut your marketing budget. We just have to audit what we're doing and figure out what is the best way, you know, over the next three weeks to approach this. Um, I've spun up more e-commerce sites and newsletters and email marketing campaigns and like redone search ads in the last three weeks that I have probably in the last year. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like all of a sudden your need changes and I'm just calling people and I'm like, Hey, uh, we can do this, this, and this to help you in, you know, transition your brick and mortar business to online. And here's the best way to do it. Here's how we can connect with your existing payment portal. Mm-hmm. Let me know if this is something you're interested in. Let's just figure this out. Yeah. So it's a lot more just trying to act on all the ideas that I've had for these businesses and these clients already right. that now is the time to activate them. Which is exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What what's kind of your favorite client right now? What's what's your like favorite project that you're working on? I am working on a investment pitch for a new startup. It's mm. for a cloud-based SaaS product. It's a piece of software. It's a very, very niche product for a very niche audience, but it's a huge undertaking and it's an opportunity to not only help them uh, strategically with the vendor relationships and who's going to help them build the product, but what the brand looks like, what the marketing looks like, how it attaches to their existing brands, what that brand architecture is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just such a gigantic opportunity to help support someone build this dream that that's yeah. what I'm really excited about right now. Is there a lot of video involved with it? Ultimately, I think it's just going to be a lot of like demo video because it's a software product. Oh yeah. So that's Ugh. not going to be super exciting <laughs> and it's medical based. So even the photography ah. may not be super like creative, but you know, it'll be beautiful because that's what I do. But mm-hmm. It's a it's a strategic undertaking that I'm excited about. Yeah, that's amazing. I get I get a tons of questions. It's a huge topic of, of conversation on on what does a pitch even look like? How do you how do you go and pitch a client? How do you pitch a client that you just want to work with? And you know, it's kind of like a cold email, cold call. Like what do you do you have a process for that for someone that you don't really have a relationship with? Or is it or for you, is it all just kind of leveraging the clients that you have now kind of word of word of mouth type of thing. How do you, how do you kind of attack that? For me, I'd say 90% of my business is word of mouth. So they're usually coming to me. They already have an idea of what I can offer and they already know that they want what I have. Mm -hmm. But when I am getting pitched from creatives or I'm looking for creatives to hire for a project, um, I look at it twofold. One, do they have like a, a standalone PDF that's, you know, 10 pages that really explains who they are, uh, their experience, what they love, what they're looking for, uh, some samples of their work, something that's contained and tells their story that I can just either look at or download and file away to look at later. 
And when they're contacting me, have they done the research on me? Do they know who they're talking to? Mm. And what have they found out about what I'm doing or what I have done or maybe what I need? And how have they kind of solved that gap for me? Like never underestimate the value of connecting the dots for someone else. This is what I do. This is what I've done. I saw that you've done this and this. With my skills, I could help you in whatever this is. Like blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It's like do the research connect the dots for them and have something that's packaged and tangible that you can just send off to them and they can file away. I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's doing just a little bit of that backend research and taking the time with that before you start communicating, because I don't know about you, but I get contacted just through DMS asking, Hey, can I shadow you? Hey, can I, you know, just come and and be a second shooter? Hey, can I do I don't really mm-hmm. need that stuff right now. And that's going to be more of like a time waster because I'm, we're going to have to have conversations. We're going to have to interact and, mm-hmm. and, and it's just taking time away from me. So I'm really doing you mm-hmm. a favor instead of figuring out what do, what do I need? What do you need right now? What's our current problem and offering a solution in a really nice way it, that goes so far. I, I have a, somebody, I, I basically, sent a, or I posted on Instagram, just like a Instagram story saying, Hey, I, I, I stink at motion graphics or something like that. I didn't even say I needed motion graphics. I just said like, I'm not good at it. And somebody sent me a DM saying like, Hey, I'm a motion graphics expert. I can give you this, this, and this I'll do it for free just to test it out. Boom, boom, boom. Now I'm paying him, yeah. you know, a good portion of money to, to do motion graphics for me. So Yeah. It's uh, it's super powerful. So I'm 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 glad that you said that. It's like if you've got an ideal client, like stalk them on every single channel that they put anything out on, and find some like little niche sentence that they said that you can repeat back and say, "I heard this. I'm listening." Yeah, yeah. So let's just break it down for just a second, just to summarize what you said. A PDF, right? PDF. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. What, I don't even know what you, what you like said. Like a capabilities deck. Okay. Um, you know, who you are, what you do, what makes you different, and some samples of your work. Gotcha. And then and then what? Anything else? Just that back-end research and... Yeah, back-end research, be a human about it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, cool. I mean, it's not that hard, right? Do people complicate it or what? Yeah. Yeah, I think people complicate it. I think people get... Um, over salesy about it. You know, it's like they think that I, I have to approach this business like a, a machine or, you know, try and send out, you know, hundreds of these contact emails every day instead of just taking that time and making one or two quality connections. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, well, that's dope. I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, when you and I were, in that mastermind together, we, we started talking and you were trying to help me with a backpack company that I was, I was working on. Yeah. Waylon. Waylon. Right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Everyone, everyone's like, where the hell is that? What's going on? And that's a, that's a whole other podcast we can, we can talk about. <laughs> well, basically I, I needed to get really focused on my one thing. I already had one thing going and I needed to go all in on that and, and complete it. And that's why I had to push Waylon to the side. And I'm also dealing with trademark issues and, and that stuff. But that's that's a whole other story. But then you started to talk to me about things that 
I had never even thought about or heard about. And it, it all just went right over my head. I was like, holy cow, this is, this is crazy. Can you talk about if you were to start a brand, and this might be super generic, but if you were to start a brand, what steps would you take from the very beginning to get that brand up and going a physical or is it let's let's call it physical or digital product do, do we need to pick one for you to go in that direction or no no, no? i think it all all businesses kind of have to start in the same place and that's getting crystal clear about your your strategy and what you want to do yeah. i mean even just starting with the real basics of brand strategy like what's your what, why why are you even doing this it's your purpose mm-hmm. you know yeah um who do you want to talk to? Getting really, really crystal clear on your audience is going to help you in spades in every level of your branding and marketing. Mm. So if you're talking to the wrong people, they're never going to convert. Mm. So really figuring out who is this product or service ideal for and getting a really good idea of what they like to do, what they already are doing, what kind of media they consume, what kind of brands they're already um, bringing into their life, figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And then thinking of all the different ways that my product or service helps them mm-hmm. and then go from there. Because yeah. then you've got more latitude to pick the wrong designer to do a bad logo or make a crappy website. But if you're talking to the right people and you're saying the right thing, they will look past more than you'll think. Mm. They'll, okay. they'll look past more than you think. Okay. So it's better to focus more on talking to the right person than yeah. finding the perfect designer on Fiverr to do your logo right. you know, or to build your perfect Squarespace website. Right. So that's what I would spend most of my time on in the beginning mm. um, is just making sure that I know who I'm talking to and what I'm saying is going to resonate with them. And you're talking about your target audience. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Target audience, um, customer avatar, ideal customer profile. Yeah. A bunch of different ways of saying the same thing. Yeah. That's so key, right? Like that's probably one of the biggest things that I learned as a, as a creative when trying to develop my own product is, you know, you can't, you can't help, well, you can't help a million people, but you shouldn't be thinking about a million people. You shouldn't be trying to help everybody with your products or services because then you're going to end up helping no one, which is kind of crazy. You have to think about just one person because that one person, if that, if they're experiencing those problems, there's a good chance that a million people are going to experience those problems as well. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, there's such a divide between is this business to business marketing or is this business to consumer marketing or do I have a business to business product when really everything is human to human the, the process to get things bought in in a business environment is just different. But mm. really, you're talking to another human. And we yeah. just have to understand who they are, even if they're representing a business. Yeah. How hard do you go into working on that avatar and thinking about that one person that you want to serve? Um, constantly. Like all the time. Is it always yeah. evolving? Or is it as my services have evolved? It has absolutely. Because when I first started um, on my own, I was, I was speaking to advertising creative directors or creative managers and recruiters. So I knew that they were within the advertising agency. I knew where they fell in the decision-making process. I knew where they fell in the um, staffing issues. But as I started to work more with 
founders and marketing directors directly with businesses, I've had to change my customer avatar and figure out, well, who the hell am I talking to now? You know, am I talking to three different people? Am I talking to two different people? Like every single thing that I put out now, I have to think, am I still even wanting to talk to advertising agencies? Mm. Or am I only talking to successful founders or mm-hmm. new marketing directors? Mm-hmm. So it will absolutely evolve with your business and with your products and whoever resonates kind of just when you find something that works, you just dig into that deeper. Yeah. So that may be a different audience than you thought. (laughs) Right. So, okay. So avatar is essential. The design aspect, the production level, not as essential. Can we agree on that or no? When just starting out, like someone that wants to create mm-hmm. their first digital products or yeah, create a it's new. Like a knife in my gut to admit it, but yeah, you just gotta get something. You know, yeah. and you can fix it later. Yeah. You know, if you spend too much time trying to make the perfect logo out of the gate, you're never gonna just get out of the fucking gate. Right. That was my problem. I think that's no. I think that's all creatives' <laughs> problems, right? Because that's is. our it's job. My problem too. <laughs> that's our job, right? Yeah. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's why even as a creative, it's really important to hire someone else to do it because I would I'd never finish. <laughs> yeah, you just make it too perfect. Oh my god, yeah, that's such a trap. Yeah, I I'm always about focusing on more of the emotion than the production value, at least in the beginning. Now I'm starting, me personally, with my own business, I'm starting to get more into the to the production value of just making things look really pretty and, you know, legitimate or whatever words you want to use. But yeah, in polish. the beginning, yeah, polish, thank you. But in the beginning, it's all like emotion and like pulling on those mm-hmm. heartstrings. Is that something that you focus on if like a client doesn't have a big budget? Like what... How do you kind of separate what's important and what's what's not based on their yeah. budget? Yeah, um, emotion and communicating the idea clearly is mm-hmm. more important than having a beautiful, like a beautiful photograph that doesn't communicate anything mm. that people don't resonate with. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the production quality is absolutely a privilege that some clients have, but it is not going to ruin the quality of your marketing if you don't have it. If you have the the story and you have the emotion and you have that connection, mm-hmm. you can get away with a rougher image or, you know, bad lighting or, you know, bad retouching. It helps to have good production quality, but you're just polishing a turd if you don't have that emotional connection or that story to start with. Yeah. That idea. Yeah. How, what, what's kind of your process for creating the story? Do you storyboard? Do you uh, create a shot list? Is that stuff that you do? I mean, you hire that out, right? A little bit of both. It depends on what we're doing. If we're doing um, like a, a commercial and it's a big budget and we have very uh, specific tactical things that we have to shoot, then absolutely we've got storyboards, we've got tech scouts, we've got shot lists, we've got shot boards, um, that we're going against. But I also do a lot of um, docu-style stuff where I've got a wish list of things that I want to capture and I've written the story in maybe a paragraph. So it's like one or two paragraphs. This is the story of now we're unveiling this restaurant and we want to tell the story of all the things, these beautiful pots and pans that we're putting away now or the dishes that were made specially for this. Like that's the story. And then let's go in and just get what we can and yeah. we'll stitch it together and edit. 
Yeah. Interesting. Is that, you, pre- is, is that pretty typical or is that so like depend dependent on the, on the person? Is that just like a, it's totally dependent on the client. You know, even some clients, yeah. they need to see that storyboard to feel comfortable. And that's where you really need to understand your client well enough to know what do they need to feel reassured that we are going to get something that accomplishes their vision and that convinces them that I understand their vision even and that we're on the same page and whatever we get out of this is going to be beautiful and it's going to do what you want and it's going to achieve your, your business goals ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think something that isn't talked about very often is eliminating the risk for the client and making them feel good because when, when you're working with someone for the first time, there is that risk. It's just like buying like a high ticket, item or, or, you know, buying a, a new car and feeling buyer's remorse or whatever. Do you have a, a process for eliminating that risk? I know you might've touched on it a little bit by explaining the, the storyboarding, explaining the process or your process, but what is, what is your process? I keep saying process more times, yeah. but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> What's my process? What's your um, process? My process, um, yes. over communicating mm. really. And by the time you get that scope signed and money changes hands, they trust you and they're invested. So you don't have to sell them on your capabilities anymore or sell them on your expertise. You need to sell them on the fact that you are there to help them solve their problems and help them look good. So Mm -hmm. over communicating, how are you feeling about this? How does this look? Uh, Who else is on your ass to make this look good? Who do you need to impress? What can I build for you to make sure that you're able to sell this in the way that you want to? Um, It's really a customer service role um, after that. So understanding what they need to feel good and just keeping that communication going, uh, especially in the beginning. Yeah. How many people are helping you with this? Does it depend on the project typically? Yeah, Yeah, I have... Yeah, I've got four people full-time on my team, but other than that, and they're just administrative support. So I've got a personal assistant, a bookkeeper, mm-hmm. you know, legal and um, like a project manager. So mm-hmm. none, none that's like creative. I build those teams dynamically based on the project. So mm-hmm. it could be two people that I need to bring on. It could be 15 people that I need to build. I may have to hire um, an entire advertising agency to execute a specific part of it if they're the right fit for that execution. Yeah. How important is it to you to have those people behind you on your team? Not not even just the the project to project basis, but even just like your assistant, your project manager, you know, how essential are they to your day-to-day work schedule? Critical. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this podcast exists because my assistant <laughs> reached out and got it all scheduled because I didn't right. have you know eight seconds to rub together to even right. get this done. Our um, assistants were communicating together. I didn't yes, know this exactly. was happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, exactly. It's critical though, because I can't focus on what my clients need from me if I'm worrying about schedules and setting up meetings or taking conference call notes or worrying mm-hmm. about invoices getting billed appropriately. It's just such a a drag on my energy and my productivity that my success and the success of my business and my client's success is absolutely dependent on my team working at full power. Yeah. What what would you say to someone that is solo right now? How would they 
would would you recommend them getting some sort of VA virtual assistant? Because the the argument is always, well, I can't afford to hire somebody. I know, you know, we have mutual mentors and stuff that that say otherwise. So what what would you say to someone that is trying to hire somebody but you know might not necessarily be able mm-hmm. to afford it right now? Do you know any mm-hmm. strategies for them? Yeah. Um and I'm going to quote Chris Harder on this one because I think he's got really good insight on this. And it's being really mindful of what you are good at. Mm-hmm. Like the three things that you are really good at and the three things that you really suck at, that at the very, very beginning will give you an idea of who you would need to hide, hire, mm-hmm. hide. Because if you're just trying to hire an assistant and you don't really know exactly what they're going to do or why, then yeah, that's a waste of money. Yeah. But if you know critically, like I can't spell for shit and I need someone to write my emails, then you know exactly what to look for. And yeah. maybe that's, you know, a less expensive writer on the side versus a virtual assistant. So mm-hmm. understanding yourself well enough to know what you actually need to hire out mm-hmm. is the first step yeah. instead of just hiring an assistant and then fumbling to give them the right tasks that are going to help you excel at the three things that you are really good at. Yeah. When you cop out answer good. No, no, no. It was fantastic. (laughs) No, no, it was great. It was good. It was good. I'm just absorbing. I'm I'm absorbing. I always try to be a sponge in these. Um, so back to the argument of like, I don't have any money to, to invest in, in somebody, you know, is there, is there a point where you think like you just, you just kind of have to go for it and, and, and make it work, fit it into the budget that you do have. Because for me, when I made my very first hire, I was extremely nervous. Even if it was part-time, I'm like spending money on another person. It's just a very foreign thing. And I've always had this limiting belief that I had to be the wealthiest man in the world to start hiring people. I had to be a, a multimillionaire to start hiring people when that's not the case. Did you ever experience that when you started making your first hire or or you didn't have to experience that. Yeah. 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 I think the best advice is just hire before you're ready. Because if you, if you hit that wall where you cannot do anything else to further your business on your own, then how the hell are you going to find the time to hire someone? Yeah. I mean, right there. Yeah. Like, you know, you won't even have time to find help. And that's where I was last year. I got really stuck where I was in between assistants and I was like, Oh, I can, I can float this for the next few months, whatever. It's fine. I'm already deep into these projects. I don't have time to onboard someone. And mm-hmm. I hit that wall where I did not have one more minute to spare. And it took me another three months to carve out enough time to actually hire someone to help. Where mm-hmm. if I had just done that when I didn't think I needed them, but I knew that that was the potential and the direction that I wanted to go, I would have been able to work harder, work faster, work better for those yeah. three months in between. So hire before you're ready. That's, it's the only way that you're going to be able to actually move forward without moving backwards in order to do so. Right. I mean, the two essential ingredients for creating more revenue is, is time and energy. And if your time and energy is all used up on you doing everything, you can't create more revenue. It's this, it's this trap that you get yourself in and, uh, it's not a very good feeling. No, it sucks. It sucks, yeah. you know, because then you don't want to do the fun stuff that you're really good at. Right. You know, Absolutely. it's like, oh, I'm in this bitchy mood. Be- Sorry, I'm 
actually swearing. I didn't realize that. Is that okay? Sorry. Oh yeah. I've, 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 okay. I've dropped a couple of bombs already. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, this is explicit, <laughs> dangerous content. <laughs> oh good. Oh good. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're, if you're pitchy because you can't figure out how to balance some invoice or you have to actually push the buttons to get the invoice out and you don't want to do it, then you're not going to be energized and excited to do the things that you're really good at. And that's going to suffer and your whole business is going to suffer as a result. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. It just doesn't feel tangible. And that's why it's like so scary. It's kind of like investing in, um, you know, like online courses or something like you're not really getting anything physical because you have to do the action. You have to do what they're Mm -hmm. telling you in order to, to make it work. So it's just not tangible enough. And I think that's why people get stuck because they don't know really what they're paying for. They're paying for their own time back. Yeah. But they're not getting dollars because they still have to do the work. It's just, I think it's this really tough mental thing. That they yeah. Have to- yeah. You're paying for assurance. And it's like, if yeah. you, if you really take the time to sit and visualize what your life would look like if you didn't have to do the things you hate doing in your business or that you're not good at, or the fear that you have that you're doing something wrong, like mm-hmm. just really, really picture what a day looks like when you don't have those negative feelings. I mean, that makes the decision a lot easier. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Just envisioning kind of, if you had that, if you had five hours back, Mm-hmm. Like video editing, let's uh, yeah. video editing, like <laughs> people that I know that are doing all their own video editing. I have a tough time convincing them to get out of that unless they really just like freaking love it. That's that's I guess that's another topic of conversation. But a lot of them don't. A lot of them are editing. And I'm like and they're spending eight hours a day when they should be focusing on other things and they feel like they just can't give it up because it's their own project or whatever. Yeah, but there are portions of it that you can give up. That's the other thing too, is look at an entire task and really decide, does this entire task need my skill set? For video editing, for example, you don't need to be the one downloading the cards. You don't need to be the one transferring things from hard drive to hard drive. You don't need to be the one setting up the sequences. You don't need to be the one cutting off you know, the ends of all of the takes where the camera was shaking or the ins and outs. You don't need to be the one that's actually setting up the dialogue underneath or running it through Rev to get captions and setting those up. Like You can get a production editor so that when you do sit down, you are able to really apply that magic of your eye and your point of view to the story that you're building. Mm, man, you freaking nailed that. And you have the energy to put in even more effort into the story. Yeah, because you didn't suck all your energy into the 40% of just pushing buttons. Exactly. <laughs> it exactly. doesn't excite anybody. Exactly. I mean, yeah. There are people that really excel at it and can do it really fast. And for whatever reason, that's their jam. And I am so grateful that those people exist. <laughs> but if you're the one shooting it, it's probably not you. <laughs> I, I salute it's those people. Me. I know. I, I <laughs> yes. salute those people. Yes. And the uh, Digitex who are taking all the photos and making sure everything's copied and named right and flagged. I mean, it's an absolutely invaluable service that just helps you save your energy so you can actually do the fun part without yeah. giving up the whole edit. Yeah. What about what about the actual creative aspect? I'm sure you have really talented video editors that that help you with the creative that provide their input and things like that. And there's a lot of like communication going back and forth between you and the the editors, the shooters, things like that. What does your communication look like? Are you just like 
so specific with the way you communicate on what you want or are you a little bit do you give them flexibility what does that kind of communication look like both Both. i need to walk into a production with a crystal clear vision of what i've sold my client what i need to get out of it and i still want to offer them the flexibility of applying their expertise to it I don't know all of the right gel filters that we're going to have to apply to this thing or what we can edit around or why we would want to shoot from this angle. So I want to give them that leeway knowing that I hired the right person to do it. So more of the onus goes on that initial hiring process and vetting the right director, the right shooter, the right editor, and really get understanding what's their point of view of this topic or this style so mm. that it alleviates my need to solve all of the, those technical issues. Mm. So it's absolutely a collaboration. And yeah. when you're doing like a, vi- a bigger video production and you have a director, they'll come in with a, their own point of view. They'll, they'll usually end up with their own edit of it. They'll have the director's cut. And you mm. know, so you've got another really big um, creative mind on your side to help solve that problem. And you just have to make sure that you're putting the right people in place in order to get the end product without you having to um, suffocate it by holding on to every single decision and detail. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. Nobody wants to work with someone like that. No, but that's what most people do. At least the people that I am, uh, I guess, connected with or just know through online social media and things like that, they have such a tough time letting go. And and mainly it's because uh, it's just their personal content sometimes, not even the client work. It's so personal. It's it's, being a creative, you're creating something, you're putting something out into the world and it has your name on it. You know, you want it to be what you want it to be. But as you grow in your career and your business, you learn the value of collaboration and the value of putting the right people in place and building your team with the right people in order to trust that collectively your vision will be better than what you could have forced them to create. Wow, I love that. How do you how do you typically find your video editors? Was that I know you probably have like your your main guy already, a guy or gal, um, or maybe just a handful of them before you met them. How did you find them? <laughs> Was that difficult or word of mouth because you worked at an ad agency? Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth and a lot of um, experience working with people too, but um, like post houses will typically have a number of editors and you can just call their rep or call the um, production manager and say, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Can you put together a reel of whoever shoots humor the best or whoever cuts action the best and going from there. But Mm. you you really need to know what you're looking for too. If you're going to try and source someone that you don't have an existing relationship with, because you have to be able to look at their body of work and identify if it's really what you want. And yeah. then try and backfill the relationship part. And, you know, does this person actually seem like a cool person that I want to be working with for three months, you know, yeah, for sure. or sitting with in the edit suite for 12 hours to yeah. <laughs> hammer this out. Right. <laughs> you Absolutely. Know? But yeah. My main, my main production guy, we actually worked together at an agency about 15 years ago. He wasn't even in production on that side. He was a producer and kind of evolved into shooting. So there's that legacy relationship of that. I know he knows all of the, the paperwork side of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So that makes that really easy. Yeah, for sure. What about what about someone that's just you know working on their personal branding content like YouTube or like someone like me? Like where where 
would somebody like me find a really solid video editor? Would that just be simply through creative maybe communities that you know they know yeah. of? Or start with your like network. Facebook groups, your network. Okay. Yeah, network. start with your network or just find someone's work that you like and just message them. Yeah. You know, there's no bigger compliment than like, hey, a person from wherever in the world, I saw your work and it's amazing. And I actually took the time to write to you about it. Yeah. You know, and maybe they don't take um, projects like that, but they can refer you to someone that has a similar skill set. But definitely start with your network. Definitely start with your network. Yeah. I think it's, I think there's no magic button. And I think a lot of people think there's a magic button. It's, it's really a process, especially, you know, your first hire, you're you're not gonna like, like the first hire isn't going to be your unicorn. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just not because you don't really even know what you want or how you even, how you're even a leader or how you communicate. And yeah, it's, it's a freaking process. And I think you just have to, yeah, you have to love the process. Yeah. You got to hire fast, fire fast and, and just continue that until, until someone pops up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I always say, uh, hire, hire slow, fire fast. <laughs> is that, is that what it is? Or slow, fire yeah. fast. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. maybe, maybe you're going to have to fire fast if you're hiring fast. Cause you're probably hiring the wrong people. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's often. true. Okay. I like that better. Hire slow, fire fast. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And then what's the, the counterpart? It's a praise publicly scorn privately. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that one in mind too. Yeah, it's also very important. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, whenever whenever I provide feedback, I always start with a compliment. I always start with a compliment. Yeah, and then, the happy and then sandwich. I'm, exactly the happy sandwich. That's right. <laughs> I love that. That's clutch. I mean, you have to. You, you, yeah. you have to. How long did it take you to become a leader? Because to be a creative director, you have to be a leader. And was that just experience for you, or did you read some books, or did you have mentors? What did um, that look like? I think the it's part of just my innate personality of wanting to be that leader and kind of take control and organize things and make sure everyone's happy and do those leadership things. And we're always like being in like extra leadership courses in like elementary school for, you know, key or cluster or whatever those um, courses were. Um, but actually knowing how to do leadership is totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a lot of study, uh, reading books, watching people, and really learning from bad leaders. Mm. I mean, thinking about people that I've worked for or worked with that that weren't good, that I went home and bitched about, that I complained about, that I, that made me feel like I wanted to quit my job. What can I learn from the way that they're doing it? in order to not do that. And then once I know what the opposite of that is, who is doing it well and how can I replicate it? Yeah. So even taking a a shitty situation or a crappy leader and learning from them is really, really a a good opportunity to figure out what you can do better too. Yeah. That's powerful because there's a lot of shitty leaders out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to teach, you know, especially because it's, it kind of goes against your ego. Like if, if someone's being told that they have to be taught how to be a leader, then it's on the opposite side saying that they're already not a good leader. And if they've got an ego in the way, then they're not going to listen. It's going to get worse. So it's having to release that ego and just be 
present and witnessing what's going on and people's reactions to it, trying to replicate the best case of those things. Sure. But leadership in itself is, I think you either want to do it or you don't. Mm. I've got clients that run very successful businesses that they don't want to be a leader at all. And it's a struggle when it comes to actually the operations of their business and me being able to help them, but they don't want to do it. And if that's you, then you need to identify that about yourself too and find someone that does want to be that leader. Yeah. And they're the ones that started the business and they didn't want to be a leader or? Yeah. Well, doing what you love and what you're good at is different than being a leader when you're all of a sudden have, you know, 10 or 15 people working for you. Yeah. yeah. That's different than just doing your thing exceptionally well. Yeah. And then knowing that you need to hire more people in order to enable you to do that. Mm. Yeah. Do you think, is, do you think leadership is something that you're born with or something that you have to learn? Oh, well, I think it's both. Both is going to be my answer to everything. If you haven't figured that out yet. Um, (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Having the natural, having the natural (laughs) inclination to leadership makes it easier. But I firmly believe that human beings are capable of learning anything that they really put their mind to it. Yeah. So if it's something that you want to do, you can learn to be a really good leader. If you just fundamentally do not want that responsibility or that spotlight it's going to be extremely hard to learn how to do it. Yeah. I think it's also just having self-awareness in general. Yeah. That is like a huge asset. And Gary V talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow Gary V, but he's always talking about being self-aware and, and understanding when the way you're acting and also the way people you're interacting with are acting and, and just having that, having that awareness is, is, is crucial. And I, I don't know if that's something I don't know if you can learn something like that. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? Can you learn self-awareness or? I think if you become aware of the possibility of being self-aware, you can. Hmm. But if you're, if you've got this fundamental external locus of control where whatever is controlling your life is outside of your control and is outside of you, then it's going to be really hard to have that self-awareness because the fundamentals of the way you look at life and the world don't jive with the idea that you can witness yourself in a way that allows you to make better decisions for the situation you're in in that moment. Hmm, that's interesting. When's the last time? When's the last time you're scared or, or nervous about a client and being in a leadership role? It's it can be terrifying when the client is not happy. And you thought up until that very moment that you were all on the same page. So that is absolutely terrifying because now they're staring at you as if you've completely wasted their budget. You've completely created something that (laughs) they didn't want. Um, I've got one story that it's an old story, but it's, God, I was terrified. I thought I was going to lose my job. I, (laughs) I had been sent on a photo shoot. And we went to the Bahamas and the client, the client had dictated who we had to hire for the photographer. It wasn't who we wanted, but for the sake of the relationship, we were like, okay, fine. This person can shoot this, this stuff. That's whatever. And we were shooting these products and we were shooting on the beach and it was beautiful and it was sunny. And, um, we broke for lunch and my producer and the photographer went to go get lunch. 
And it was just me and the account executive kind of watching all of this stuff on the beach. And then all of a sudden, the weather changed in an instant and it started to rain. So we had to get all of our props off of the beach and like run them up to the house that we had rented on the beach without destroying any of the props, without ruining anything, while still preserving like our order of all the things that we had shot and still had to shot and like where we were in the shot list, get everything organized. And then my account executive stepped on a broken glass bottle in the sand and nearly cut one of his toes off and we got there and he was like hanging off and i had to open up one of the bottles of rum that was supposed to be a prop and pour it on his foot and then we ended up in the hospital and it was like this backwoods island hospital on an outer key in the bahamas and i'm like oh my god this guy is gonna like get a staph infection yeah going on and then the camera had gotten left out so all of the film was ruined So we got back to the States. We had barely any shots. The photographer lost the rest of the footage. This was like a $50,000 photo shoot, you know, in the Bahamas for Christ's sake. And we had nothing. And I had to go to my boss and be like, I have nothing but a solution to maybe we can do this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like I was absolutely terrified that my agency was going to lose the account, that I was going to lose my job, that my account director was going to lose his toe. And <laughs> it was, and I had only been doing this for a few years. And I was like, I was the young person. It was like, I spent probably the next week just crying myself to sleep thinking like, what did I know that I was supposed to do? And yeah. How was that your just, fault? It wasn't. And it was just this amazingly bizarre like circumstance. and cascade of things that happened that were completely out of my control, but I was absolutely terrified that there was nothing I could do to save it. There's nothing I could do to save it. And we ended up um, shipping up a few dozen pounds of sand, cleaning it and doing everything in studio. And it was fine. It looked great. We already had a library of beach photos from this location anyways. So I was able to offer that solution and salvage the whole thing. But I was absolutely terrified that I was going to lose my job and I was going to lose this like really nice account for my agency. Right. Right. Oh my God. So you're, you just don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, you adapted to the situation, figured it out. Yep. Creative problem solving. Yep. We still got the products. We just got to get sand. We have photos. We can do it on a, you know, on a tabletop. We'll recreate it. I've done this before. It's great. Yeah. So. Did you, did you go way over budget because of that or no? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like $35,000. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So like an 85 grand project or photo shoot for, for a 50 grand budget. Oh my God. An $85,000 photo shoot for some beach photos. Yep, beach photos, products. It was um it was like the the mall area at a where the cruise ships docked. Mm. So it was doing all of all of the work where everyone that's getting off the cruise ships in the Bahamas would see all of this stuff. Yeah. And oh uh, my God. Yeah, that was an adventure. I was wow. absolutely terrified. I don't think I've ever been that terrified. <laughs> was that were you but you were terrified during the situation. What about before before you actually got a job or, or you got asked to do a job, were you nervous? When was the last time you were nervous about just a, a client in general? Um, was it, I mean, a long time ago? Yeah, no, no, I was nervous. I did a, a video project for a restaurant um, probably two years ago now. And the team that I had done work with for this client previously, mm-hmm. uh, we had worked together in an agency and then 
we had all worked together freelance for this client and they had decided they did not want to participate in this project for whatever reason. And I just knee jerk convinced the client that I could do it on my own. Mm. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I didn't have my team. I didn't have a producer. I didn't have, you know, my other creative director. I didn't have my writer. I didn't have anybody. And I had, I had to do the whole thing myself. And I literally had to learn how to edit video to do it. <laughs> like, I had to call someone and be like, Oh my God, Tom, can you teach me how to use premiere so I can edit this video? I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, it's like I had to hire a, a shooter that, you know, it, it was, it was terrifying because I knew that I was on the hook for what could have been a really amazing project, but that I had oversold myself a little bit and I needed to backfill those skills and figure it out or find the right people to partner with to make it happen. And I did. Yeah. And it turned out amazing. And the restaurant's amazing. And uh, I won an award for the video this what? year. It was super cool. Wow. Um, so I think it turned out well. But yeah, I was... I was pretty scared. That's amazing. Sometimes <laughs> that goes back to the whole thing of never being, um, you know, lacking confidence in what I can accomplish <laughs> right. before I'm, even before I've actually done it. <laughs> well, that goes to show you just sometimes you got to figure it out. You got to say yes and figure it out later. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Build the plane on the way down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I had a similar situation, not, not like your beach thing, but um, I had a shoot. It, it was a, it was a big, it was pretty big budget for me at the time. It was like, wow, okay, we're doing this. And I'm like, I don't need help. I'm just going to keep all this money myself and just do it. And it was like just tons of interviews. And they were expecting me to bring in like these red cinema cameras. And, you know, I didn't have time to rent them or get access to them. So I'm bringing in my little, my little tiny Sonys. And they're just looking at me like, like you're going to film on that. Like, can that really shoot? And I'm like, internally I'm panicking and I'm just like, just wait, just wait. It's going to be great. And, and I crushed it. I mean, it wasn't a red, but they were, they didn't care or they just thought, you know, the red is like, yeah, you got to have a red, but no, we we made it work. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely cachet in the equipment, but it's the man behind the camera that really makes the difference. Yeah, 100%. It was it was the creative like the idea of it, like it was all it was it was solid. I probably should have hired some help, but we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I tend to skew the opposite where it's like I'm willing to give away every dollar to hire all of the best people to do it and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, I should probably have enough to pay myself." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, and it's like, "Oh, but it's going to be such a great video." And yeah, I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. I just went for it, but um that's how you got to do it <laughs> yeah that's right what do you are you how are you hanging in there we're, we're gonna wrap it up i, I don't want to waste too much of your time we've been on here for like an hour but i just i'm just curious uh, i like to ask people that uh obviously we're all at home right now how are you maintaining your your schedule just chilling at home working from home has it has it changed much or kind of the same old routine for you? Actually, my husband and I have both been working from home. Well, I've been working from home for a number of years, but he's been home for the last two years. Mm. So it's kind of business as usual. Um, we're realizing yeah. that we go out to restaurants a lot and we have nowhere to go. So we're doing a lot of dishes and <laughs> <laughs> like I'm you know getting to cook again, which is great. But other than that, it's kind of business as usual around here. It, it kind of feels like everybody else is getting this holiday or this snow day and we're yeah. just over here doing the same old same old yeah 
you know, I've definitely got cabin fever. Like I definitely need to leave the house. Like, yes. I've yeah. lost motivation to put on like real pants. Right. And I just washed my favorite pair of jeans yesterday. I'm a little afraid to try and put them on again. <laughs> like, like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Cabin fever, business as usual, but there's just a certain kind of energy in the air that's different. And I don't know if that's just from watching other people. It, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, you kind of nailed it. It's like, it feels like a snow day, even though mm-hmm. I'm still doing the same stuff that I've always done. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm on vacation for some reason or something. Yeah. I don't know. Do you, is that what you're feeling? Kind Absolutely. Of? Absolutely. Well, it's, I've got so many friends that are in these businesses that aren't able to operate now and I'm having to watch them on social media, just like going out and doing whatever during the day and nobody's working as much. And I'm, you know, happy that everyone has this space and I'm really happy for people that are able to use it in, you know, a productive way. And everyone's house is going to be really freaking clean by the time we're out of this, (laughs) you know, and organized and yeah, absolutely. Hopefully for the best, but it's, it's so weird. It's yeah. so weird. The weirdest thing though is I walk my dog now and there are people home during the day. Like <laughs> I realize it. like I stare at houses, right? Look in windows just because it's like, oh, that's a cool house, whatever. That's a cool lamp. And there are people looking back now. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I've seen How more creepy. people in my own neighborhood yeah. than ever. And I've been here for two years. Like I don't know anybody. It's <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But didn't you just get a dog or a puppy or you're going to because you're home? picking him up today. I am or her excuse me I gotta get used to that yeah I had this this image that I was gonna have a a a male dog but we we well it's because all dogs are boys and all cats are girls why is that (laughs) 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 um yeah I don't know it's so weird but yeah we're picking her up today uh later this afternoon and we are we are so excited I've always I've been wanting a dog for years I had a dog when I was young and it was just one of those things where it was like, ah, it was never the right timing. And, you know, I, I, you know, I'm trying to build my business and and scale it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I got to really focus on my business right now. And then we travel a lot and I'm like, okay, everything's canceled. Like I'm at home. Like this is, you could not line up the stars or the, the dots or whatever you want to call it um, any better. So we were like, let's, let's move on this now. And we found this little husky puppy and, we're adopting her so yeah oh so much energy i know i feel like <laughs> last night was the last sleep last good night's sleep <laughs> i got you know this morning i really took my time before our podcast you know uh-huh and uh yeah i'm just i'm, I'm mentally prepping for my life to completely change so oh, for the best though that's gonna be yeah. so good yeah we're, we're so we're so pumped you have two dogs if one dog or one dog okay three cats oh damn Mm-hmm. How is that relationship? My cat is 19 years old. So she kind of, she literally just lives in her little heated cat bed. She stumbles <laughs> downstairs for breakfast. Oh, she hates man. everybody. Everybody stays away from her. Uh, the other two cats, they're brothers. They battle, you know, they're younger. One of them has a crush on the dog and is constantly following her around and trying to like sit up on his hind legs and bat at her. And she just yeah. doesn't care. She's kind of afraid of everything. She just, she's, sleeps in my office all day long. She's, you know, a yeah. Velcro dog. So yeah, everyone has, it took a while show. for everyone to figure it out, but oh. you know, there's a definite hierarchy amongst them all. Yeah. 
That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. We our our good friends just got they literally got a French bulldog puppy and it was born the same day our dog was born. And husky and French bulldog puppy were very curious how they are gonna interact with each other. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> well, at least they're both puppies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. They'll be they'll both be puppies, but one's gonna be big and the other is gonna stay the same size pretty much. Yeah. So oh, we're, that's just, funny. we're just curious. But anyways. Enough of the the puppy talk. One one last two two quick questions. Are you starting any hobbies yourself now that you're home all the time? Is it anything new for you? Any kind of hobbies, no. things that any reflections? <laughs> no. Getting like I said, getting back to cooking, which is really nice. I really enjoy cooking. And it's yeah. probably the first thing to go when I get busy. Yeah. Okay. But Just curious. um no. No. Same old, same old. I have this nasty habit of turning hobbies into businesses. So I try and eliminate that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. How important is it for you to have something that is just yours without sharing it to the world? Yeah. So important. Yeah. So important. So important. Yeah. Yeah. That I feel for me that, I mean, for me, that's photography, even though. I do photo shoots with people, but I don't look at it as work, even though I get paid for it. I'm like, yeah, that was great. But there's just not that pressure to like push it mm-hmm. or put it out there. And it's always been just kind of my little hobby that occasionally I'll get somebody and, and shoot with them and whatnot for the most part. But yeah, it's, I think it's key to, to, to have something for you and you alone and not mm-hmm. make money with it, or at least just don't put pressure on, on yourself with it. So Anyways, last question, and then I'm going to kick you off, kick myself off too. Um, I ask this to everybody, but if you were to describe your, your perfect day, your perfect dream day, if you had the perfect business, I mean, you're, you're already at a great point in your life. You've got an amazing business. You know, you've got the house, you, you've got the dog, you got the family, but what, what would be your, your dream day before coronavirus? <laughs> oh man it would probably have nothing to do with work honestly i would be the most boring person i would have a house in the mountains and i would spend my day uh tending an orchard and canning things yeah planting things hiking in the mountains with my dog like yeah that's all i want to (laughs) do why why aren't you doing that now (laughs) that's a very good question Uh, i actually i had my sights on a beautiful piece of land out in the mountains in Utah. And, uh, I was traveling abroad and the agent who was repping the land, uh, decided that he thought someone else was a better buyer for it. So mm. I'm still in, uh, I'm still mourning that land. So I haven't quite gotten around to right. <laughs> reimagining what that, what that dream looks like, but, but you're starting that process. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, great. when as all this stuff hit, I kept joking with my husband. I was like, "See, that's why I needed that second house in the mountain. Like, this is exactly why I needed it." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. That's awesome, though. That that's why I asked the question is because you know a lot of people that maybe they don't have their their finances right now that their dream you know income level in the house and whatnot they can still find things in their dream day that they can implement right now. And a lot of it isn't really, doesn't really require too much finances. Usually people always talk about, you know, I'll just, I'll go on a hike, I'll hang out with family, I'll do this and that. And like, you don't need any kind of serious money for that. So why aren't you doing it right now? So yeah, it's like you really just need to give yourself permission to take the time. 
Yeah. That's what stands in most people's way, really. It's just, yeah. you don't give yourself permission to take the time to read the book or go on the walk or make that phone call. Yeah. It's interesting. Still trying to figure that out. But anyways, this has been a pleasure. Let me know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I will. Absolutely. Well, hopefully this dog, this dog is going to help a lot. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I I really appreciate you doing this, Chelsea. Meeting you in uh, Chris's mastermind that, you know, getting to talk to you and and know what you do um, has been just eye-opening and has been very impressive. And, you know, I want to connect with you a lot more in the future. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I do. And yeah, you're someone to look up to and anybody listening to this right now, definitely check out Chelsea and and what she does. She works on some amazing, amazing projects and just take a look at her portfolio because you'll, you'll see everything you need to know right there. Where can, where can people follow you? Uh, Club Creative dot com and on instagram cclev.creative boom awesome chelsea thanks again talk soon thanks peace